Uh, what a great honor it is. And thank you, Brother Kenny, for inviting me to be here and uh, your beautiful bride, Miss Lynn. And uh, I don't think you can make it without her. Amen. She is something. And uh, we praise the Lord for what God has done. And uh, thank you all for inviting me to come. What a great staff you have. Uh, thankful for all of your staff, Mac and his wife, Miss Sandra. Saw Mac. He's out and about in the community. He was out at a volleyball game and uh, saw him. I know he went to just support his young people and uh, what a ministry he has. And then Brother Mark Tannery and uh, Miss Mitzi. She paid me to say something good about her. Where is she at? Amen. <laughs> my gracious. She's uh, in the nursery. And uh, Brother Mark is one of my best friends. Uh, as uh, you know, uh, we have lunch every single week. And uh, Miss Tracy, don't worry about that. Amen. And uh, we have lunch every week. Uh, have a privilege talking. He, uh, I had the privilege to serve with him at Return Church for 10 years. And it was all my honor and uh, joy to do that. Uh, what a great staff you've got. What great leaders and and they love the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, what a great privilege it is for me to be here tonight. I'm glad that a lot of folks showed up. Amen. I heard about a preacher one time. He was a new preacher. And uh, he went to his church. It was out in the middle of the uh, uh, boonie sticks. Man, there wasn't nobody around. And His first Sunday, uh, one fella showed up. Man, that'll bless your heart. Amen. Man, one fella showed up. And uh, he looked at him, and, and uh, he looked at the preacher, and the preacher looked at him. He just kind of thought, well, I wonder if I'm going to preach today. Do you think it'd be all right? And the old farmer, he was a farmer, and he said, preacher, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a preacher. Uh, I'm a farmer. And uh, the way I look at it is like this. Uh, if I got a truck full of hay, uh, I'm going to take it out to the pastor and if one cow shows up, I'm going to feed that cow. Amen. Well, he just got so excited. Man, he got to preaching. And uh, man, he just preached and preached. And he didn't stop for two hours. Amen. Now, I've got a little low uh, clock up here for me. Amen. I think that's just telling me to shut up uh, here pretty soon. But uh, he just preached and preached. Well, he got off that pulpit and went down and said, How'd I do? That old farmer looked at him and said, Well, I'm not a preacher, uh, but uh, I'm just a farmer. And I'll just put it like this. If I take uh, my truckload of hay out to the pasture and only one cow shows up, well, I'm not going to dump the whole load on him. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are going to get that after a while. Amen. Woo. Well, I pray I won't dump the whole load on you. We'll do the best we can, and uh, we'll just pray. You know, when Kenny invited me to come, I began to think about uh, what uh, I might be able to share. No doubt these Sunday nights uh, really, in my heart, talk about revival. The signs of the times, I think, are all around us, aren't they? I mean, you think about uh, we need revival. Never has there been a day that uh, we have lived in that I think, no doubt, we need revival. Who would have ever thought that just uh, over the last couple of weeks we would have football players from the National Football League? 
NFL football players that would take a knee when the national anthem was being played. Who had ever thought that cheerleaders from a college at Kennesaw State University over in Atlanta would take a knee when the national anthem would be played? What a disgrace. What a disgrace to the men and women who have sacrificed and some who've given the ultimate sacrifice in giving their lives for that we might have the freedom that we have. How dare they get on their knees and disgrace the flag and the national anthem of the United States of America. Friend, we need revival. We need a move of God. Think about the words of the national anthem. Think about how that came to be as Francis Scott Key, who was there watching the Battle of 1812, there at Fort McHenry as the Battle of 1812 and the British and the Americans were fighting. There was a large flag that was tattered and torn that was flown across Fort McHenry. And there he began to see and began to have a desire. And listen, I believe no doubt God impressed upon his heart the very words to our national anthem. And the words that he wrote were these. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. Over the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets red glare, and the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? Oh, the land of the free and the home of the brain. That flag that has stood the test of time from listen, from the American Revolution to the War of 1812, from the American Spanish conflict to World War I and World War II that we have fought all across the Civil War to Korea to Vietnam to the Persian Gulf to Afghanistan and Iraq. Listen, our men and women have fought under that flag and the national anthem and it is a disgrace, I believe, not only to America but a disgrace to God that anyone would take the knee to disgrace that flag. We're living in a day, friend, that we need a desperate move of God. Who would ever thought that we'd have the mass murder that was just perpetrated by one individual high atop a casino hotel room bearing down on a concert, a Jason Aldean concert there in Las Vegas where 22,000 people begin to come into that place and they begin to go to that concert having no idea that that could be the last day of their life. No idea that they would step and it could be for 58 people and 500 plus that were injured. What a day we're living in. No doubt we need a mighty move 
of God. We need revival in our nation. We need God to touch down and move upon our hearts and upon our lives. Amen. We need revival. We're desperate. It's been said we need a revival when our earthly instruments are more important than eternal ones. We need a revival when we'd rather watch TV and read a good book more than read the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, and pray. We need a revival when concerts draw bigger crowds than prayer meetings and may I add revival services. We need a revival. We need a revival when it seems our children are growing up to adopt worldly values and secular philosophies and ungodly lifestyles. We need a revival when our singing is half-hearted and our worship is lifeless. We need a revival when we're more concerned about what somebody thinks about us more than what God thinks about us. We're more concerned, listen, of those that would be on the outside of the church than the God that's on the inside of the church. We're, listen, we need revival when we're unmoved by two and a half billion people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're desperate in need of a move of God when two out of three marriages end in divorce, when our kids, it seems, are going through troubled times, sexual immorality is out of control. We need a revival when it's all right to take an unborn baby, 60 million since that, listen, that decision was made, 60 million babies have been aborted because of the convenience of somebody rather than God of the universe that values life. Listen friend, we need revival. When prayer was taken out of school, when it said the land said it's alright to have same sex marriage. Friend, it's not alright and we the church have set back and we've allowed this to happen. We need a move of God and we need revival. Amen. Now I'm trying to be proper, amen. I don't want to get out of control. I don't want to get it too excited. But we need revival. We need revival in the golden corner, Oconee County. We need God to move in our hearts. Now I'm going to get to the points and it's going to be simple and we'll be out of here. But I'm here to tell you, we need God to work. Do you realize only 16%, 16% of all those in Oconee County darkened the doors of a church. Only 16% of the people in Oconee County go to church. Folks, that tells me we're desperate in need of a move of God. We need God to draw us back into the church. We need God's people. We're in trouble. Do you realize last year alone that 11,000, 11,000, did you get that? 11,000 Southern Baptist churches all across America that did not baptize not one person. Did not baptize. Nobody walked the aisle. That means that three million sermons were preached. That means millions beyond millions of songs were sung and millions and millions of dollars were given. But nobody walked the aisle. Thank God for First Baptist Church Westminster. Thank God for Choi. That ain't the case. We Listen, we've baptized. Thank God we're not in the 11,000 churches that did not baptize anybody. The baptismal pool grow dusty because nobody was baptized. And that should break our hearts. That should convict us as the children of God that we need revival. We need a move of God. Do you realize that in the last seven years of Southern Baptist churches, 
the last seven years, we've declined in baptisms. We have a lot of church starts, but we continue to decline in baptism. What does that say? That says to us as Christians, we are not witnessing our faith. We're not sharing the love of Jesus. And a lot of folks are not getting saved like they used to. And folks, we are desperate in need of a move of God. We have become absolutely powerless and lifeless. We've grown asleep in the church. Amen. Folks, listen to me. How we need a move of God. How we need God to work. I heard about a preacher one time. He had this fellow that came. You probably got him. Everybody's got him. Man, every time he got seated and settled, he went to sleep in church. Amen. Man, he just dozed off. And he, listen, that, the preacher just got so tired of it. Man, he just got, he, it just absolutely, he just was so upset. He said, I'm going to fix him up one of these days. And that day had come. He got there on that Sunday morning and he just was, listen, he took his place. He got seated. He got settled. And pretty soon he was gone for a absolute siesta. Amen. And there he saw him asleep. And so he said very quietly, he was making his point. He quietly said, listen, those that want to go to heaven, won't you stand up? And everybody stood up. Boy, everybody, whoo, everybody wants to go to heaven. Amen. I don't know anybody wants to go to hell. They all sat down. He got to preach it real loud. I mean, he said, and he was beating upon the pulpit. He said, those that want to go to hell, you stand up. And that old, listen, that old fella, he was half asleep. He stood up. He was half dazed. Man, he was just kind of trying to get his grip. He looked around. He said, I don't know, preacher, what we voting on, but it seems like me and you's the only one for it. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Amen. I don't know. <laughs> we need revival. Amen. We need a move of God. How we've fallen asleep. And it's time for the redeemed. It's time for the children of God to stand up. It's time for us revival. A little simple little If my people. If my people. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. You can look on the screen. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Lord, I pray over the next few minutes. Lord, I know I've got to hurry. God, the time is short. I pray to be a little simple message for us. But God, we're desperate in need of a move of God. We need revival. I don't know a church in Oconee County. I don't know a church in South Carolina doesn't need revival. We're desperate for it, Father. And God, I pray even out of this joint service that, Lord, you would stir the hearts of your people. You would stir us, Father, for revival. You would stir our hearts to a move of God. And I pray that you'll speak to us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, amen. We see in the scripture Solomon had just completed the building of the temple and the royal palace. He had completed the building and now Solomon prays a prayer of dedication. The Bible says that God accepts Solomon's prayer as he prays. Scripture says that God sends a fire from heaven to consume the sacrificial offering. 
Thus he gives, listen, the glory of God comes down and consumes the sacrifice. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep, and they are dedicating the temple and they're dedicating their sacrifices to the Lord, giving thanks and the trumpets blowing. And boy, I'm telling you, there's, there's the glory of God that comes down. Scripture says on the 23rd day of the seventh month, God sends the people to their tents. And the Lord appears to Solomon and he says, I hear your prayer. This is where we come to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It's the formula. It is the recipe for revival. If we're ever going to have revival, it is, listen, it is that God would move upon our hearts and lives. You see, if we're going to have, it's a big if. Charles Finney said, the great preacher, the father of revivalism said, that revival is saved folks returning to their first love. How we need to return to our first love. How we need to return to the Lord. You see, there's a lot of folks, You listen, you remember when you got saved? You remember, man, you were so excited, so fired up, you'd witnessed a telephone pole, but something happened in the process, and you're not as excited as you used to be. You're not on fire for God like you used to be. Why? What is it? What happened in your life that you're not as excited as you used to be? What happened in the midst of your walk with God? You see, if we're going to have revival, listen to this. If you're going to have revival, it's a big if. You see, if all the sleeping folks will wake up, amen. If all the lukewarm, listen, lukewarm folks will fire up. If all the dishonest folks will confess up. If all the disgruntled folks will sweeten up. If all the discouraged folks will cheer up. If all the depressed folks will look up. Estranged folks will make up. All the gossipers will shut up. Listen to me. And all the dry bones will shake up. And the true soldiers of Christ will stand up. And all the church members will be prayed up. Then if, 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 God will send a mighty way of revival. Amen. You see, God wants to send revival quickly. Here's a few little points. First of all, it's to humble themselves. You see, it's a big if. Humble means that we are to be, listen, meek and lowly. That means to bend it knee. It's a picture of brokenness. The Bible is clear. God opposes the proud, but gives absolute grace to the humble. Amen. You see, God desires to give grace to those that absolutely are humble. That's what's so missing in the church today. We are so proud, amen. Man, we got so many proud folks, some, I mean, just fixed on themselves, how we need to have a humble attitude. How we need to have humble, listen, humility of the church. I've known people, I've known preachers can strut sitting down, amen. Man, we need humility, A brokenness in the house of God. Too many proud folks. God can't work in our midst. I had an associate pastor. I served as a youth pastor over in Greenville at Bethel Baptist Church. And a great man of God that impacted my life was Grady Bridwell. Grady Bridwell has gone on to be with the Lord. But he shared many times with me. Listen, son, don't act like you own the place. Listen, understand this. We're to be humble and to know that God wants and desires for us to be humble in our service to the Lord. Amen. I learned a long time ago as he shared with me and many others. You see, I put my britches on the same way you do. And it's all level at the foot of the cross. And we're to be humble. We're not to be proud. 
Listen, folks, there's too many proud folks in the church. You, listen, understand this. It's humility. And it's, listen, it's to have a spirit of brokenness. How God wants us to be broken in our lives. How God wants us to humble ourselves before a holy God. To have a spirit of humility. To have a spirit that God desires. You see, the greatest absolute example in the Bible is the, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ. In birth, he was humble. He stepped out of the corridors of heaven. He could have came in the pronouncement of, a, of the legion of angels. He could have been, listen, he would, could have been born in a kingly palace. But what did God choose for his son, Jesus Christ? He was born in a lowly manger. Just imagine the stench, the smell of that manger. Jesus humbled himself to a stable. He humbled himself in birth, but he also humbled himself in life. Jesus took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of a bond servant. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. I was lost. I was undone. I was dying and going to a sinner's hell. But Jesus humbled himself and came to this earth and he lived on this earth in his life in humility. He humbled himself that I might have life. Amen. And for you too. He humbled himself even going to a sinner's house. You know the story of, the Bible says in the book of Luke, when he went to the tax collector, he was going into Jericho, and there's old little weed, little Zacchaeus. He couldn't, listen, he wanted to see Jesus, and the Bible says he went to the sycamore tree, and he climbed up in that tree to see Jesus Christ, because he knew he was passing through. He was a tax collector, and tax collectors during that time was looked down on. I'm not sure that's gotten any better, amen? There Jesus reaches the point. And it, isn't it incredible that the Bible, it, listen, isn't it incredible to know that when Jesus reached that point, it wasn't by accident he looked up in that sycamore tree, was it? He looked up that tree and he saw Zacchaeus who was looking for Jesus. And aren't you glad that Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus? Aren't you glad that he's looking for you and for me? Listen, friend, he looked for me. I was a junior in high school, lost as lost could be, didn't grow up in church, didn't know anything about church, but Jesus reached down as a junior in high school and saved me. Listen, I didn't play, ba- I didn't play basketball for the school, and so a friend of mine wanted me to play basketball for the church, and as a result of that, he, I had to go to church and and, 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 and out of that experience, God led me to a, a tent revival on a Sunday night, a sawdust trail. I walked down and I got saved. It was because friends were praying for me. Young people were praying for me. That's how I got saved. Listen to me. I'm here to tell you, he humbled himself in birth. He humbled himself in life. He humbled himself in death that he would die for me on an old rugged cross that Jesus would give his life for me somebody like me an old sinner lost as lost can be but Jesus saved me he came down that I might go up amen you see we're to humble ourselves in humility when's the last time you humbled yourself when's the last time you listen hear me if we're ever going to have revival in America we're going to listen we got to humble ourselves as Jesus did Oh, that we would humble ourselves, old-fashioned altar. You know the newest carpet on the church? Most time, this brand-new church. We've renovated our church. But you know where the, the best piece of carpet is? Right here. And you know why most churches? Because nobody comes to the altar anymore. Why is that? We've become too proud. 
We become too, listen, high holy art thou that we don't have to get on a bended knee and we don't have to come before God and say, God, I need you. I need revival. Listen, folks, we live in a world that's gone crazy. We live in a world that seems like it's upside down. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord. And I need God to move in my life. I need the Lord in the midst of our churches. I need God in the midst of Choi. You need God in the midst of First Baptist Church. We need a move of God. And we're to humble ourselves. Now the second point, you've got to listen. You're not listening quick enough, amen? If you'll just help me along and say amen every once in a while, we'll get out of here a little bit quicker, okay? Secondly, if my people will pray, pray. You see, if revival's ever going to fall, we've got to pray. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, first part of that, or the latter part of that, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, for the revival to fall, for revival to come to First Baptist Church, revival to come to Oconee County, it is that we pray. When's the last prayed? You know, on average, they say that most Baptists pray two and a half minutes a day. Now, before you puff up in pride, that ain't long, Amen. Man, we'll watch TV, we'll listen to the radio. Man, we'll, we'll, we'll do all kinds of stuff. Man, nothing wrong with a lot of stuff. But I'm telling you, why don't we pray? We take 150 seconds a day to talk to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That ain't much time, is it? See, we got to pray. We got to call on God. If revival is going to come to your life, if revival is going to come to your high school, if revival is going to come to the community, we must pray. We must pray and ask God to move. If it wasn't for some students at Siloam Baptist Church praying all afternoon on Sunday afternoon for Jeff Whaley to get saved, I would not be here. I'm a walking, talking testimony that prayer works. Prayer works in our midst. And the only way that I can make it and the only way you can make it is the God of the universe to call on God and to pray and to seek his face. The key in the formula for revival is prayer. But why don't we pray? We don't take time to pray. Why is that? Third thing is this, I'll be quick. We must humble ourselves and we must pray, but if we're ever going to have revival, we must seek the face of God. Seek his face. What are you talking about? Talking about with a broken heart. Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Save as such as be as a contrite spirit. You see, if we're ever going to have revival, we must get broken over our sin. Ooh. Preachers shouldn't talk about sin anymore. You see, I, I, I feel like sometimes I, I'm out of place like a polecat in a perfume factory. I don't belong. I don't belong. Because today, you, they say you can't preach about sin anymore. They say that you can't preach social issues. But the Bible has much to say about it. They say you just can't grow a church anymore and you just can't talk about the blood and you can't talk about issues. Friend, until the church gets broken over our sin, your sin, my sin, it's my sin, your sin, it is not anybody else's sin. We live in a world that takes no responsibility for what they do anymore. It's always somebody else's fault. 
It's my mama's fault, my daddy's fault. It's society's fault. It's your preacher's fault. It's the deacon's fault. No, friend, it's your fault and mine. We need revival. God, that we would sin. Our church is a broken heart. The reason we don't have revival is because we're not broken over our sin. Oh, it's all right. Oh, everybody's doing it. No, not everybody's doing it. We make every excuse of the book, do we not? For sin. We call it by all kinds of alternative lifestyles. We call it all kinds of different terms and terminology, but it is sin. Sin's falling short of the mark. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. I've sinned. I stand before you a sinner saved by the grace of God. Friend, listen to me. And until we get broken over our sin, until we as America gets broken over our sin, not somebody else's sin, but my sin, we're never going to have revival. It's to recognize sin. Your sin and my sin. Quickly, I've got to hurry. Not only got to humble ourselves and pray and be broken and seek his face, but one last thing, we've got to turn from our wicked ways. Bible says in Psalms 32 verse 5, Acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity. Have I not hid? And I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. You see, we've got to turn from our wicked ways. You see, you don't like to hear preaching like that. We certainly don't hear it anymore. Thank God for the man of God you have that he preaches the gospel message. Amen. You don't hear that much anymore but to turn from our wicked ways because we're wicked. We're sinners. And until we see God work, we're never going to have revival. Chris Robinson was a student at Howard Payne University, Brownwood, Texas. Chris Robinson would go to the Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. They had a college group and they would pray before every service. Man, you want to talk about encouragement to your pastor. Praying before every service. A group of students. Man, that's encouraging. They were praying one day, but this day was different than any other day. They were going to have a call group from the college, and then the preacher was going to preach the second half of the service. And so this Sunday was no different. They prayed, they came out. Chris Robison, during the time of the message, got up before the preacher stopped preaching and got on the altar and began to confess his sins, asking God to forgive him. At the end, the preacher just by the Spirit of God felt like this was something special. He closed his sermon. He said, we're going to an invitation. Chris Robinson came to the pastor and said, Pastor, can I say something with the church? said, sure, son. That young college student said to a big old church of folks, return unto the Lord today. Return to the Lord. As the book of Joel so said, return unto the Lord. When he got through he didn't even make it down the aisle, but on the front pew, he just fell crying 
and absolutely out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Now you say, what happened next, preacher? I bet they all gawked at him. I bet they all began to judge him. No, that's not what happened. What ha- listen, what, what, that's what happens in 95% of our churches. But what happened that day was something incredible. When he just fell on his knees and started crying, they said that floods of people began to flow out of the pews and began to go from one end to the altar to the other. They said the whole back, the, 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 the middle eye was packed with folks just confessing sin, getting right before God. The revival at Brownwood, Texas began. Thousands of people got saved as a result of one young man who God got a hold of and he turned from his wicked ways. You see, we'll never have revival unless one person gets right with God. And when one person gets right with God, then revival's on. Would it be tonight that revival could start in this church? You say, well, preacher, we got all kinds in here. I, there's all kind of people in here from all kind of churches. Well, that's kind of what heaven's like, ain't it? It ain't going to be a little Baptist section. Well, this over here is First Baptist. You, y'all got to be quiet. And this over here is Choi. You really got to be quiet over there. Amen. No. Heaven's going to be safe, folks. In the very presence of God. In worshiping the Lord for eternity. And you know what that is? That's a long time, isn't it? Forever and ever and ever. I wonder if we would humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. Then revival would be on. Oh, that God would raise up a Chris Robinson. That God would raise up a student, a young person, adult, mom, dad, grandma, grandfather. That God would get a hold of and revival would come to our community of the Golden Corner of South Carolina. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. I've just come to share my heart tonight. I just believe God wants to send revival. I just believe God wants to move in our churches. I started a new series of messages this morning at our church, and I preached my heart out. I want you to know, just a moment, your pastor stands here at the front. These altars, all across this front, this church, it's open. Welcome to your heart tonight. I know I'm talking to predominantly a lot of Christians tonight that need a move of God. We need revival. We need God to speak to our heart. God, forgive me. Forgive us for not seeking your face like we ought to and should. God, humble us. Help us to come before your face in prayer. Seek you. God, help us to turn from this old world and turn to you. God, that revival might fall on Westminster. The revival might fall in our churches. And I just wonder if there might be one or two or three tonight 
just a moment when the invitation is given. Your pastor stands here. Might just want to come, get on this altar and pray. God send revival. Send it in my youth group. Send it in my life. Send it in my family. Send it in my community. America has gone down a road that looks like destruction unless God's people get on their knees. I'm just wondering if there's some folks tonight that get, would get before the Lord and call on the Lord. God, would you move and would you speak now? And we'll be forever grateful. In your name we pray. Amen.